Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. This is the second part of a two-part <clears throat> sermon on the seven abominations that Solomon lists for us in Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 17. And if you are able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans and feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Pray with me, Lord. We pray your blessings upon the preaching of thy word. It is true in all that it says and teaches. And we love your word and we cling to it. It is sure. Remove every distraction we ask from our minds or our hearts that we might focus upon thy word. If there's one here who doesn't know Christ, we pray for that one's salvation that he or she might come to you today. We pray for believers here today that we would be encouraged and challenged by your word, Father. Open our ears to hear, and may our hearts receive it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Last week when we began this passage, we looked at the word abomination, and we learned that abomination is a word that means that which is utterly despicable, disgraceful, and outrageous to God. And in this text, we see that Solomon lists seven abominations. And last Sunday, we started walking through each one of these. And we noticed that Solomon used the body to teach, to, to show us the effects of, of these seven abominations in to some degree, you can use these body parts as memory clues to memorize this text because he goes from head to toe. Last week, we saw the abomination of haughty eyes, and then he moved down the body to a lying tongue, to hands that shed innocent blood, and to a heart that devises wicked plans. Well, today we pick up the next part of the body because he moves to the feet. If you'll notice in this text, he talks about feet that make haste to run to evil. So in those first five abominations, he really has gone from head to toe. And then the last two, two actions, he talks about the false witness who breathes out lies, and then one who sows discord among the brothers. So last week we looked at the first four. Today we're going to pick up right where we left off, and we're going to look at the last three, the feet, the false witness, and the one who sows discord amongst the brothers. But let's first of all look at that first point. As Solomon continues in the text, feet that make haste 
to run to evil. Now, as we talk about these feet, again, let's reach back into last week's sermon because right before we get to feet, Solomon talked about the heart. The heart that devised wicked plans. Do you remember the word picture behind that word devises? The word picture is preparing soil, plowing soil to get it ready for something. And we said that this person that the Bible is describing, the heart that devises wicked plans, that's the heart that's preparing itself for evil. We saw an example of that last week when we looked at Proverbs 1. Do you remember the folks in Proverbs 1? The Bible calls them ones who ambush the innocent. Their heart was set on ambushing the innocent. They devised a wicked plan. So now today, as we move from the heart to the feet, we need to learn what one commentator said. He said it this way. The heart guides the feet. The heart will guide the feet. That once the heart has made a decision, the feet are going to follow. And in this case, the Bible says they're going to follow quickly. What's an example of that? Can you think of an example in the Bible where the feet followed the decision that the heart made? How about Judas? Think through that one with me. Matthew 26, story of Judas. Before the Last Supper, before the Last Supper, the Bible teaches us that Judas had already gone out. He had gathered together with the chief priest, and he asked this question, Hey, what will you give me? What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? Ah, we'll give, you, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. Done. I agree. Sounds like a good deal. So before the Last Supper, before Judas sat down with the other disciples, with Jesus, his heart had already devised a wicked plan. The soil of his heart had already been plowed and prepared to go do evil against Jesus. So during that meal, we know the Lord Jesus knew the heart of Judas, didn't he? He knew that Judas would betray him. In fact, he says this at the Last Supper, one of you will betray me. And the disciples, one after the other, said, is it I? Is it I? And Jesus says, the one who dips his bread in the bowl with me, that is the one who will betray me. And of course, that was Judas. And from the Gospel of John, John writes to us and says that at that moment, Jesus looked at Judas and said these words, what you are going to do, do quickly. And the Bible says in the book of John that Judas immediately went out. He did not hesitate we could say that Judas's feet made haste to run to evil. 
You see, Judas had an urgency to commit sin with no thought of doing what was right in the sight of God. And we know the end of that story, don't we? Judas betrayed the Son of Man with a kiss. He literally kissed the door of heaven and turned and walked away. But it wasn't too long after that that Judas realized what he'd done. He threw that silver back into the temple. And the Bible says he went out and hanged himself. You see, he thought his feet were running to riches. But actually, his feet made haste to run to evil. And in doing so, Judas fell into this abomination. But secondly, today, the Bible moves to an action. In verse 19 of our text in Proverbs, it talks secondly about a false witness who breathes out lies. Now, you might recall this from last week, right? Because last week we went from haughty eyes to a what? A lying tongue. This is the second time in a list of seven that Solomon is talking about the issue of lying. Twice this made the top seven. Yet I think this week there's a focus on false witnesses breathing out lies. It probably has legal action in view with this statement. You know, we've all watched court TV over the years. We've seen courts be displayed in front of the whole nation. And we've watched professional athletes lie about taking steroids. We've watched eyewitnesses lie about the details of investigations. We've even seen officers of the law lie under oath. And these lies result in great injustices throughout all of our society. And the Bible teaches us some examples of this throughout its text. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. Think about the story of Joseph. You know, when you think about Joseph, he really suffered from the sins of other people, didn't he? And by the way, God allows us to suffer for other people's sins sometimes. Judas suffered from the sins of his father, favoritism, the sins of his brothers, jealousy. Even the cupbearer forgot about him when he said he'd remember him, didn't he? But there was another person, Potiphar's wife. You see, Judas was, was a good guy. He was a righteous man, did what was right in, in the sight of God. And he got mixed up with Potiphar's wife. And what did she choose to do? And instead of being truthful with her husband, she bore false witness, didn't she, against Joseph and lied about what she had actually done. And because of that false witness, we know as a result, Joseph was put in prison for many, many years. Think about the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ. As he was standing in front of Caiaphas, the high priest, the Bible says at that time, the chief priest came forward to do what? To bear false witness about him. And once the chief priests were done bearing false witness, the Bible says others came to bear false witness against the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, God allows us to suffer for the consequences of the sins of other people. And we see the consequences 
in the life of Joseph, he was in prison for several years. We see the Lord Jesus being crucified on the cross because a false witness breathed out lies. Thirdly, and finally, this last abomination, the Bible talks about one who sows discord among brothers. Sowing discord. This made God's list of abominations. Beloved, this is a direct attempt to drive a wedge into the community of believers, believers that have unity in Jesus Christ. You see, where there is agreement and unity, this person brings divisiveness. Now, why? Why would someone do that? The Bible gives us all sorts of reasons for people to do that. Many times it's selfishness. They simply want their way. They're not getting their way. Many times it's just to drive their own agenda. They have a course that they have to go on. They're going to push their agenda no matter what. Maybe it's greed, the want of money, the want of possessions or fame. Maybe it's envy and jealousy. Someone who is jealous of someone or something about the group. So they drive this, this wedge into the community of believers. We see this throughout Scripture. Satan sowed discord, didn't he, in the garden. You will not surely die. Did God really say? We see Judas again sowing discord. You have the 12 disciples, Judas going his own way, doing his own thing, separating himself from the group, plotting against Jesus. A few weeks ago, as Daryl preached 3 John, we remember Diotrephes, one to sow discord, even in the book of 3 John. So, beloved, we have these final three abominations involving the feet, breathing out lies, sowing discord. My question for us is this, as Christians, in the face of these abominations, how has God called us to live? Let's go through them one by one. Our feet. How has God called each of us here to live with our feet? This text talks about using your feet to make haste to run to evil, just like Judas did. But God teaches us a better use for our feet. In the book of Romans, I'm sure you know this verse, Romans 10, 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Ephesians 6, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. See, there's two directions here. There's the feet that run to do evil in the sight of God. But God has called us to have feet to be prepared wherever He wants us to go to take the gospel of peace. Feet that bring the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ to a world that needs it. 
I'm so thankful for these young people who stood up here today who have boldly said in front of this church, hey, I'm ready to take my feet and run down to Belize to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think about what we do, not just on mission trips, but what we do on a daily basis. Where are your feet taking you? Be a good question to ask. Where are your feet taking you? Now, listen, as we learn, the feet are led by the heart, right? So you could really ask, where's your heart in this? Where is your heart with God? Is it in what path are you going because of that heart? Run to Christ. Give your heart to Him. Submit to Him. And run after the things of God, bringing the gospel, the good news with your feet. But secondly, the Bible talks about breathing out lying, doesn't it? In this text, it talked about bearing false witness against someone else, like Potiphar's wife did, like the chief priests did to Jesus. What's coming out of our mouths? What are we breathing out? The Bible's answer is is very simple. We all know it to be true. Proverbs 3 says, Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Let me ask you a question. Your neighbor is those even next to you now. Can your neighbor, do the people around you in life, can they trust you? The Bible teaches us to be trustworthy, that our neighbor shouldn't have to worry about us plotting evil, bearing false witness against them. But they should dwell securely, knowing that we're beside them. For Ephesians says, speak the truth with your neighbor. God is a God of truth. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And then finally, speaking to those who sow discord, the Bible calls each one of us to unity and peace. Romans is very clear. Romans 12 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. How's that going in your life? Do you have your own agenda that you're going to force a wedge into break up some unity because maybe of greed or pride or your own agenda? Or can you live peaceably? Can you defer to the interest of the other on matters uh, that don't necessarily have a right or wrong. Can you defer? Can you live peaceably with others? And then unity. In just a moment, we're actually going to sing Psalm 133. Next week, I'm going to General Assembly in Atlanta. And one of the great things we do at the end of every General Assembly is all the men stand and we sing Psalm 133. Why Psalm 133? Here's what verse 1 says. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's good and pleasant in the sight of God when we are unified. In just a moment, three of our men are going to come forward. They're going to take vows to be officers in this church. And one of the questions that we're going to ask them is this. Do you promise to strive for the purity, peace, unity, and edification of the church? 
Another question we'll ask them is this. Can you submit to your brothers in the Lord? You see, as you strive for unity, there's times where even officers, we have to submit to our brothers in the Lord. It's that step back of humility saying, I'm not going to just push my own agenda. I'm going to do what's good for all of us in the sight of God. Because unity in the sight of God is good, is pleasant. So may we have beautiful feet, running not to evil, but running to preach the good news. May we not bear false witness against our neighbor, but speak truthfully so that our neighbor can dwell with us trustingly. And may we never sow discord, but may we have in our minds to live peaceably with all, to dwell in unity. And the last thing I'll say is this. Let us remember Jesus Christ in all of this. Jesus who endured the evil caused by the hasty feet of Judas. Jesus Jesus who withstood the chief priest that acted as false witnesses against him. Jesus who died for the discord that all of us as his people cause. This Jesus who knew no sin but became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we 